With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. everybody welcome to carving it up live we are on facebook we're on youtube and we are also on twitter uh i have i'm bryson carver and we've had a good week i've had a good week i hope you have as well that's what we hope for we hope for goodness and happiness in the world um and i certainly hope that to start your week your monday was well i hope it treated you fine that's how it treated me. See, Dak Prescott did what I knew he would do going to Tampa. And yet somehow, some way, he even superseded my expectations. I'll get into that to start the show in just a moment. Also talk about the Baltimore Ravens firing their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, what that means for their contract negotiations with Lamar Jackson. Actually, from the reports I'm reading it for the first time in a long time, it sounds actually kind of positive. I'll get into that. Um, I haven't talked a lot of Lakers this year. That's by design. They're not a very good basketball team. But I did want to talk a little LeBron James because what he is doing in year 20 is, you know, I say the guy was built in a lab. I've I've never seen anything like this dude in my life. I'll talk about him later in the show. Uh, I will also discuss what else we got. Tom Brady's future. Uh, the greatest quarterback ever just completed year 23. And uh, let's just say year 23 was not exactly his Jordan year. Uh, we'll talk about him later in the show. And at the end of today's show, I will rank my top eight quarterbacks. We've got eight teams left in the NFL, so obviously eight quarterbacks. I will rank the eight. I've seen a lot of people ranking the quarterbacks uh, on this show, carving it up live. You will get the honest and objective and fact-driven rankings, the best quarterbacks in the National Football League that are still left in the NFL postseason. But, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one way to start today's show. Monday night, the Dallas Cowboys, led by a guy I'm about to say his name in just a moment, demolished, not beat, demolished the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by a final score of 31 to 14. There was a point in the fourth quarter, it was 31 to 6, and Tom Brady threw what very well could have been the last touchdown pass of his career uh, to make the score look at least slightly more respectable. But um, 
there's a lot of reasons the Cowboys won that game Monday night. Plenty of reasons. The defense led by Micah Parsons, who I picked this year to be the defensive player of the year. While he probably won't win that, that'll go to probably Nick Bosa. He was outstanding. Got to Tom Brady multiple times. J. Ron Curse had a big pick in the end zone on an uncharacteristic uh, mistake by Tom Brady. There was a lot of factors, right? Tony Pollard played well. The offensive line arguably paid, played their best game of the season. But the biggest reason that the Dallas Cowboys knocked off the greatest quarterback who ever lived and his Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know his name. Now, I want you to say it loud with me and please say it proud with me. You know how this thing goes. Rain, Dakota, Prescott. Oh, my goodness. Last night or Monday night, rather. 25 for 33. That's over 75% completion percentage. That's pretty good. 305 yards. Over 300 for the game. He had 24 rushing yards. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five. Touchdown. Uh, touchdowns accounted for in the night. Four of them through the air. One on the ground, which you will see in just a moment. A passer rating. Now, folks, the max passer rating you can get is 158.3. Dak Prescott had the best passer rating of the playoffs thus far at 143.3. And best of all, one of my favorite stats is QBR. Now, Bryce, you, you, you may ask, Bryce, what's, what's the max for QBR? Well, it's the max what you can get on any standard test. 100. 0 to 100. What, what is your QBR 0 to 100? They take into account uh, you know, your accuracy, your, your legs. They take into account your rushing yards, all that. 0 to 100. Rain Dakota Prescott had a QBR of 96.5. And it seems that I'm the only one in the world who's not even in the slightest bit shocked by this. Coming into this game, the whole world had written off Dak Prescott. And in some parts, some of those people, I wouldn't call Dak haters. I would call them people who believed in Tom Brady. That's not exactly the worst thing you could do when it comes to predicting a game, especially a playoff game in the NFL's betting on the best who ever did it. But there was this notion that because Dak had played, in my opinion, by far the worst game of his career last week against the Washington Commanders, he was awful. Completed 30-something percent of his passes, had a pass rating in the 40s, 100-some yards, no one touchdown, a terrible pick six. He was terrible. That he was incapable of bouncing back against Tampa Bay, a defense that had held him to a single solitary field goal way back four months ago in week one. And my response to that was, given what Dak has been through in his personal life, given what he's been through in his professional life, this year, it's nothing. It's nothing. Wild card game on the road against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As a matter of fact, for uh, Cowboys fans out there, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but to my friends that are, this was the Dallas Cowboys' first road playoff win since. How about them Cowboys? Yeah! It had been almost 30 years to the day that Dallas had won a road playoff game. This was all the way back in 1993. They won the NFC title game against the San Francisco 49ers in Old Candlestick Park. Up until Monday night, they had not won a road playoff game since. They'd have some heartbreakers. The Des Cotic game at Lambeau, getting just embarrassed off the field at Minnesota against Brett Favre. 
Uh, I think they'd lost to Carolina one year. The, the Tony Romo muffed snap on the field goal against Seattle. A lot of heartbreaking games. And Dak Prescott said, get on my shoulders, get on my back. Cowboys Nation, I will take you there. He is the first quarterback, I read this stat the other day, in the history of the NFL playoffs to end four consecutive playoff games. I'm sorry, five consecutive uh, uh, playoff games to have at least one passing and one rushing touchdown in five consecutive playoff games. That has never been done before, ladies and gentlemen, in the history of the National Football League. Actually, it was four. It, my bad, it was four. He didn't, it was a two-point conversion he ran against, against Green Bay back in 2016. I was thinking about that. But this is what he does, ladies and gentlemen. And you'll see in the tape just some of the throws this guy's making. Look at this. Okay? So you see the first touchdown. Sees, he scans, he scans, and hits Dalton Schultz for a touchdown to put Dallas up 6 nothing. I'll get to Brett Maher later in the show. That was the first touchdown pass. And then, honest to God, I literally said, run the Peyton Manning boot. He ran the... Peyton Manning boot and ran it in for a touchdown to put Cowboys up 12-0 because Brett Maher missed another extra point. Swear to you, as God is my witness, I said run the Peyton Manning boot. Here's another big throw right here. Or not a big throw. He ran for the first down, third and six. Look at Dak use his legs diving for the first down. You saw how much this game meant to him. That's why he's not Kirk Cousins. Here's another drop back. And tight window throw to CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb got off to a shaky start, but rebounded big time later in the game. This was Dak's best throw tonight. This was a Dak Mahomes play right here. Look at this. Steps up, rolls out to his left. Looking, looking. He's falling out of bounds. He's got Dalton Schultz for a touchdown to make it 18 to nothing because Brett Maher, you guessed it, missed another extra point. It was a bad night for Brett Maher. Down in the goal line, second half. A little fake. Yeah, be patient, be patient. Bloop. Finds Michael Gallup. Ball goes right through the hands of Carlton Davis, into the hands of Gallup for another touchdown. This one, bam, right back to Gallup on a third down six when Tampa looked like they had a little bit of momentum. And this on fourth down and four slammed the door shut on the GOAT. Right into the arms of C.D. Lamb, who was wide open, ran a great route for a touchdown. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was all she wrote down in Tampa, Florida. This is who he is. This is who he's always been. When you absolutely, heck, let's just look at this season, ladies and gentlemen. When the world doubted Dak Prescott every turn, every step of the way, he responded. Think about, he played bad against Tampa way back in week one, right? And in that game, he injured his thumb, missed the next five weeks, and then it was Cooper Rush mania. And to Cooper Rush's credit, he did a good job playing within the offense. But remember, there started to become that notion created by the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, Jerry Jones, of course, that we may have quarterback controversy down here in Dallas. Cooper Rush loses to the Philadelphia Eagles. Dak Prescott comes back. And there's this, hey, let's see if Dak Prescott can live up to the bar that Cooper Rush set. And he led a big scoring fourth quarter to blow out the Detroit Lions, who, as we found out later in the season, Lions are pretty good. Probably should have made the playoffs, if we're all being honest. A few weeks later, lost the Green Bay Packers in a game that I thought Dak played excellent in. Didn't outplay Aaron Rodgers. We know Aaron owns the Cowboys, but Dak played well enough to win that game, especially in the second half. But the notion going that next week against Minnesota was, ah, Dak can't take you there. He's like, okay, okay, watch this. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to drop a 40-burger on the Minnesota Vikings. Now, looking back, that doesn't look as impressive as maybe we thought at the time because Minnesota had one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. 
But weeks later, in another game, I thought he absolutely played well enough to win against Jacksonville. Three touchdown passes, over 300 yards, had a pass rating in the hundreds, had a QBR in the 70s. Dak played very well, put up 34 points on the board, and led a touchdown drive to go ahead in the fourth quarter before Trevor Lawrence did his thing. And Noah Brown obviously dropped a pass that went for a pick six in overtime. We know the story. The whole world doubted Dak. I even, to a certain degree, doubted Dak. I said, love Dak, but... Gosh, against the second-ranked pass defense the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles, a defense that has made quarterbacks look really pedestrian. Uh, Dak just sat back in his rocket chair and dropped another 40-burger, threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, pass rating well into the 130s, and a QBR in the high 80s as he handed the Philadelphia Eagles, at that point, only their second loss of the season. And then now, with more pressure going in this game than I would argue any game in Dak's career, because he loses this one, he's now 1-4 and four in the playoffs. He's in a position now where it's, oh boy, like, can, can he really win the big game? Over 300 yards. Five touchdowns. Four through the air, one on the ground. A 96.5 QBR. A passer rating of 143.3. You know his name. Say it loud and say it proud with me. Rain Dakota Prescott. Whole world doubted him, except yours truly. And he showed you why he's the man. And always has been the man, and always will be the man. Some comments here. Patrick Brown. What's up, Patrick? He says, the jersey is on point. Yeah, see, I wanted, I thought about wearing the, the navy blue jersey as Cowboy fans have grown to know it. And again, I'm, I want to make this very clear, ladies and gentlemen. I am not a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm a Dak Prescott fan. But as Cowboys fans have dubbed them the bad luck blues because they've tended to lose. They had not won. By the way, another fun fact, they haven't won a playoff game in the navy blue jerseys since Roger Staubach was quarterback back in the 70s. And they weren't even navy at that time. They were like a, a like a like almost like a sky blue. I like these navies now. But yes, yeah, I, I wanted to wear the throwback jersey that they wore on Thanksgiving. I think they're nice. And John Rivera, Fan Perspective Podcast. What's up, John? John, he says, how about them Cowboys? LOL. And uh, Patrick Brown says, not too many teams can say they beat the GOAT in the postseason. Not only that, Patrick, not many teams can say that they embarrassed the GOAT. I could be wrong. I need to check the stat. I'll get it in to you before tomorrow's show. This might have been the biggest playoff blowout loss of Tom Brady's career. Because if you look at the last few years, um, he lost in a walk-off field goal last year to the Rams. He lost close to Tennessee a couple years before that. A couple years before that, he lost close in the Super Bowl to Philly. He lost close to Denver. Lost close-ish to Denver two years before that. Lost to the Giants close in the Super Bowl. Like, when you beat Tom Brady in the playoffs, <laughs> it is survive in advance. And from the jump. You wouldn't know who the GOAT quarterback was in that field if someone had told you beforehand. The Grid Network. Uh, I, I'm, I think I have a very good idea of who's commenting this from the Grid Network. Hey, Barry. We are losing now. He has full Cowboys garb on and not a fan. Sigh. Oh, don't worry, Barry. No, don't worry. This is... Just enjoy this. For me, ladies and gentlemen, listen, for Cowboys fans, I know a lot of them. Patrick's Cowboys fan. Barry's Cowboys fan. My man Mike Guido's a Cowboys fan. Uh, biggest Cowboys fans in the world, in my opinion, are the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. Check them out in the grid as well, by the way, along with Barry, Patrick, and Mike. But uh, out there in uh, Canada, I know they were enjoying that game last night or Monday night. But for me personally as a Dak fan, <laughs> 
I'm chill now. This I I won. Everything else, everything that happens from here, oh, it's gravy. Dak Prescott might have retired Tom Brady and not just retired him, not survived him, humiliated him. <laughs> Monday night was a good night for me. And I love Tom Brady. You guys know I wore the Brady jersey and the Dak hat to show my complete objectivity on the show Monday. You know, you guys know that's 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 the brand of carving it up live. That was that was pretty nice. I'm not gonna lie. That was that was uh I enjoyed that a little bit. There's just just a little bit. Speaking of Tom Brady, let's talk about him. So, just completed year 23, age 45. Obviously, his longevity is unlike anything that we've seen in sports. Although, a guy I'm going to talk about later in the show, you know, his his longevity is at least similar. You know, we talk about father, father times undefeated and and and. It's funny, Joe Buck, before the game, repeated the words that I've, I've said for a long time in the show that Father Time's undefeated, but he's having a heck of a battle with Tom Brady. And the same can be said about LeBron James. I'll talk about LeBron later in the show. For Tom Brady, finished year 23, age 45. He is a free agent this offseason. And the question now becomes, does he come back for year 24? And if he does, for whom does he play for? And about midseason, because we knew we, we knew back in the offseason, this was it for Tampa. We, we, we knew the situation. He he tried to lease Tampa last year. As it turned out, he didn't retire from the NFL. He retired from the Bucks. But it turns out, you know, him and Sean Payton wanted to go to Miami. And I still think Miami is in play. Because I think that the play from Tua Tunga by Lowe in the second half of the season was predictably, well, left a lot to be desired. But up until about, I'd say, Thanksgiving, early December, I thought the Niners... Would be the best fit, right? Tom's from San Francisco. He grew up a 49ers fan. It's close to his parents where they live. It, it would have made sense. But now they've got my man, Sturdy Brock Purdy, and I don't think they're going to be going with Tom. So that's probably off the table. Vegas has been suggested. Miami, as I mentioned. I know some have floated the Jets as a possibility. I think Derek Carr is a much bigger, uh, a, a much greater, it has a great, much greater opportunity of happening than Tom Brady. Just Tom in a Jets uniform. That That'd be like, I mean, the only equivalent I can think of is Brett Favre in a Vikings uniform. That's and ironically, Brett Favre played for the Jets for a year. But that, that's that's the only like it just feels dirty to have Tom Brady in a Jets uh, uniform. And then of course there's the is this it? Well, I know this. It felt like it was it for Tampa because if you saw if you watched his press conference, I watched uh, Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt after the game, and they showed a live look into Tom's press conference. And at the end, he said, you know, he, he thanked the Tampa Bay media for you know always being objective and fair in their coverage and welcoming him to Tampa with open arms, and uh, he enjoyed winning the Super Bowl and all the good times, all the wins, and it, it very much sounded like a a goodbye message from Tom Brady. I'm sure if he does leave, he'll put something on social media from the last three years in Tampa. You know, his social media team will put together some kind of video, but he's done with Tampa. We do know that. And we saw today they fired By Byron Lefwich as the offensive coordinator. Is that to try and convince Tom to come back? I mean, if I'm Tampa, of course I'm trying to get Tom to come back for, I mean, listen, the guy is declining. I've been saying that since mid-year, but he's still better than I wouldn't say the vast majority, but still the majority of quarterbacks in the league. I mean, I'd, I'd take him over. I'd, I'd say there's nine, ten quarterbacks I would take over Tom at this point if we're being completely objective and not just looking at the name Tom Brady. But everybody else, I'd take Tom over. So I get why Tampa's trying to bring him back because they were in quarterback purgatory up until he arrived in 2020. 
I keep saying it. Here's my thing. Why would he go to Vegas? Why? They say, well, Bryce, you can't look at the, the Raiders as they are now because, you know, the Bucs weren't in a great situation when Tom arrived. Agreed. You know, they haven't made the playoffs since 07, I think. 06, 07, I think it was. When they lost to the Giants, they didn't get to the playoffs after that. But be that as it may, for the Bucs, you know what they did have for Tom? What he didn't have his last year in New England, which is a plethora of weapons. They had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They had O.J. Howard at the time. Obviously, he eventually brought Gronk back to Tampa. They added Leonard Fournette. They added Antonio Brown for the time being. And defensively, they were outstanding. That same defense that Dak Prescott carved up, by the way. Point being, Levante David, Devin White, a really good secondary. Jason Pierre-Paul rushing the pass. Like, and by the way, Bruce Arians, who I've called multiple times of the show, the quarterback whisper. Every quarterback, whether they're Hall of Fame level, like Brady and Peyton Manning, or if they're a good starter, like Carson Palmer, they they dominate, they, they put up their, their, their best numbers with Bruce Arians. So the, the fit made sense. And the only competition within the division would be New Orleans with, with Drew Brees and Sean Payton. And that roster, Carolina, Atlanta, they weren't going to be an issue. Vegas makes no sense. He's going to the way tougher conference, way tougher conference with an organization that we think Tampa's poorly run. They've got a solid general manager. Jason Light, I think, is that his name? I'm pretty sure. Ownership is, is fine. Vegas? The Mark Davis? Really? Mark Davis can't even get his haircut right. He can't, you think he's going to get the Raiders right? Josh McDaniels, I know people have talked about the familiarity between uh, Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, McDaniels being Brady's offensive coordinator back in his days in New England for the majority of the time that he was there in Foxborough. I mean, I don't know. You tell me, how's Josh McDaniels been as a head coach? Back in Denver and now with Vegas, it's been an abject disaster. He couldn't make Derek Carr work. And the gap between Derek Carr, Tom Brady, if I'm being totally and objectively honest, I'm not sure who's better today. And that's no disrespect. That's not saying Tom's the best to ever do it. But today, long-term, I mean, Carr's 30. Brady's 45. He'll be 46 by the time next season begins. You ask those questions. Yes, I know they have Darren Waller. And they have Devontae Adams, who the Packers could use, by the way. Um, Josh Jacobs, they, we assume they'll bring him back in free agency. Hunter Renfro, plenty of weapons offensively. Defensively, when Derek Carr was benched by the Raiders, I remember talking about this in the show, since 2014, the Raiders have given up more points than anybody in the NFL. And what's been one of the great staples of Tom's career? Great defenses in New England. And he had a great defense for at least a year, probably two, in Tampa. Not to mention, yeah, in the division he gets to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year, Justin Herbert twice a year, and we assume an improved Russell Wilson. Russell won't be this bad. We're, we're, I'm hearing reports that Sean Payton looks like he's going to go there. So Russell won't be, I don't think, the Russell of Seattle, but he'll surely to goodness he'll be better than he was last year. I'm not sure how much I'm not sure how he could possibly be worse than he was a year ago. Vegas makes no sense. Miami does. Okay, because in that division, yes, you play Josh Allen and the Bills twice a year. That's that's a tough matchup. You, you you'll be happy with the split in that season series. But then you play the Jets, who today we don't know who their quarterback is. And he played the Patriots, who have Mac Jones, you know, and a declining defense. 
So I, I think for Tom Brady, look, he's gonna he's gonna weigh out his options. Um, well, I, I think I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say that deal with Fox doesn't hold some weight. Ten years, three hundred eighty. I was at three hundred eighty-five million dollars. You know, I mean that that comes into play. But we know Tom's the ultimate competitor, and, and and at the end of the day, he's going to go to wherever he has the best chance to win a Super Bowl. Some doubted that when he went to Tampa. And what did he do? He he won a Super Bowl his first year there. So we'll see what he does. He'll he'll weigh his options. Um, but Vegas just doesn't make sense at all. It it doesn't. Now I I think. Tampa could still be in the cards. I I have, I have a hard time believing that he'll stay in Tampa just because a lot of reports talked about Tom. One of the things he loved about New England and probably the biggest thing he missed about New England was that, you know, there was structure there. Belichick for their, I wouldn't say tumultuous relationship because they, they're on good terms. They respect each other. But Rocky at times, you know, they weren't BFFs to say the very least, but there was structure. Knew the owner was, the general manager, the coach, the quarterback, the roster. The saying in New England, do your job. Everybody had a job. Tampa is a little loosey-goosey. You know, it's Tampa is kind of like that as a city. I love Tampa Bay, but it's 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 a very different uh feel than it is in Foxborough, Boston, New England area as a whole. But when I'm looking at the rest of the NFC, Tampa is still a possibility, obviously. Uh some have suggested Carolina. I don't get that at all. You think Tom do you think Tom's won a Super Bowl with Carolina? Carolina would win the division with Tom, I think, but they get bounced by, you know, one one of these really good NFC teams, the best wild card team, like like a Dallas or say if it's Philadelphia in the future, or if the Rams get their act together, uh, Seattle maybe, but he's forty six. I think Pete Carroll wants a long term option. They'll either stay stay with Geno, they may trade for Lamar, they may draft somebody. Who knows? Uh, I mean, I'm just looking. Niners are going to stick with Sturdy Purdy. I don't, I don't see it. Some have suggested Washington. You want to talk about dysfunctional ownership. That's that's the last time. I would suggest Tom would go to Vegas than Washington. And I think Washington has the better roster. They certainly have the better coach in Ron Rivera. But you got Dan Snyder run things? You, you ain't winning Jack. I hate to tell you. So Tom's options today seem far more limited than they did in October. I think it's fair to, it's more than fair to say that. Uh, Patrick Brown in the comments. Bucks lose the game. Byron left, which is fired this morning. Where do they turn to? Uh, turn to as their next OC? Well, Patrick, I would say they're not going to make that decision until they know whether or not Tom's coming back. If Tom comes back, you can you can bet everything you have. He's going to be heavily involved in the process of choosing choosing their new OC. Let's talk about Lamar in just a second. I think you know the Ravens talked about it's going to be a similar situation with him. Uh, obviously, there's contract stuff with that, but we'll see. When it comes to uh, to, to Tom Brady, it, 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 it's going to be a mystery. So I'm, I'm going to be curious to see where Tampa goes from here if Tom comes back. Because if it comes, I'll tell you this. if Let's just say for the sake of argument, the Dolphins stick with Tua, which there's reports they may. Let's just say they stick with Tua, so they're off the table. Let's say the Jets go out and get Derek Carr. They like Brady, but they know Carr is going to obviously be playing a lot longer, so they roll with Derek Carr. Well, now it's – and obviously the Niners are off the table with Purdy. So now it's Tampa and Vegas. I think Tom stays in Tampa. I don't see why he wouldn't, but I think it makes all the sense in the world if those are his two options. Patrick says Tennessee could be an option. Mike Vrabel is a former teammate of his. I've suggested Tampa on the show. I think 
listen, anything's possible, as Kevin Garnett said back in 2008, but the only thing, because now now here's what Tampa bring, or, uh, Tennessee brings to the table. It's good ownership, uh, good coach, Mike Vrabel. Uh, defense could get better, but I'm sure they will. Vrabel is a defensive coach. He'll rebound this offseason in the draft and free agency. But I think the whole trajectory of the Titans organization changed when they traded A.J. Brown to Philly. Because now you lose that number one threat. Now you lose that guy who opens the field up for everybody. Yes, you got Derrick Henry, but this will be year eight for Derrick Henry with a whole lot of carries on his resume. That's... I could see it. I, I could. But not to mention, by the way, Tom's in the same division as Trevor Lawrence, if that's the case. And he's he's just getting better by the game. So I, I don't know. Again, like I said... Tom's options in terms of contending for Super Bowls are extremely limited. Tom, to me, is still a top 10-ish ish quarterback. I mean, we can't, we can't just throw out what we saw this year. He was fine. He wasn't great. Uh, he, he had great games here and there, like Carolina in Week 17, uh, Kansas City back in Week 4. But this wasn't a situation where I mean, a year ago, I argued he should have been the MVP over Aaron Rodgers, and I still think he should have been the MVP. But this year, it'll be interesting. Again, I, I think retirement's still on the table for Tom. Now, knowing him, he probably won't because that's the last way he wants to go out with a blowout loss in the playoffs, but it's possible. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, let's talk about another free agent quarterback. This one for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, th- this is This one is really interesting to me. So, and I, I got to admit, y'all, I didn't, I didn't see this coming. I, I, I've been alluding to it in the past, but I didn't think the Ravens would actually do it. So the Baltimore Ravens today fired Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, um, and John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta, the general manager, had a press conference today. And they were talking about, you know, we want Lamar back, we look forward to negotiations with Lamar Jackson, and we want him to be a part of the Ravens for the rest of his career. You know, and you know, saying saying what they're what they're supposed to say. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And but they let go of Greg Roman. Now there's a lot of variables to this. So Greg Roman as an offensive coordinator has become almost a polarizing figure for the Ravens um, because. You got some people who say Greg Roman got the best out of Lamar Jackson. Like he played to his strengths back in his rookie year. He helped to win a unanimous league MVP. By the way, let's let's not forget back in 2012 when Colin Kaepernick was with the Niners, Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator, same offense. What do you know? The Niners got to the Super Bowl. So he's a good offensive coordinator. I don't think that's debatable. And then you have people on the other side who's like, you know, he hasn't evolved. They haven't changed their way of playing as Lamar has improved as a player, particularly as a passer from the pocket. I'm somewhere in the middle. I think Greg Roman's an op- a good offensive coordinator. I do. I don't think he's a bum. I don't think he's like totally unqualified to be in that position. He's not Freddie Kitchens or something. But I also think at this stage in Lamar's career, 
they kind of had to move on. Here's why. So Lamar Jackson has had a major injury the last two seasons. And we mostly attribute that to the fact that, well, I don't think any quarterback moves more than Lamar Jackson. I don't think any quarterback uh, takes off running or any offense is designed for the quarterback to use his legs more than the Baltimore Ravens. And so that eventually those hits are going to take their toll on, on your body. So if you are Lamar Jackson, you have clearly improved as, as a thrower from the pocket. The numbers bear that out. The film bears that out. Something else to keep in mind. Back in college at Louisville, where Lamar, you know, all he did was win the Heisman Trophy back in 2016. You know, dude was a baller back then. He was in a pro-style offense with Bobby Petrino. Like, people people forget that. He played in an NFL-style offense, not a, a pistol offense, which Greg Roman ran or runs. So I think for the Ravens, what this is saying is, okay, Lamar wants to, obviously Lamar wants to get paid. We think he wants to be a part of the organization long-term. Now we look at, we hire a new offensive coordinator, one of these, you know, hopefully young, bright offensive minds to bring in to get the best out of what Lamar can do with his skill set now, not what he could do with the skill set back in 2018. 2018, Greg Roman was the perfect offensive coordinator for Lamar. Perfect. 2019 especially, 2019 especially because he won MVP, played in Lamar's strengths. But now, one of Lamar uh, Jackson's strengths is still his running. He's, it's one of the things you got a game plan for if you're a defensive coordinator. But you don't want it to be the only thing you have to game plan for. Dude's a good thrower from the pocket, or good passer from the pocket, rather. So I think, and listen, uh, some have suggested, and I am totally lockstep in, in this opinion. DeAndre Hopkins is going to be traded this offseason from the Arizona Cardinals. There's going to be plenty of suitors. DeAndre, I think, still at his best, is, is one of the best in, in the NFL at his position. I still think he's top five in the world at the wide receiver position. I mean, you want somebody to match made in heaven between him and Lamar Jackson. Sure, run plays to keep the defense guessing with Lamar using his legs. But in the same breath, I'm not saying treat him like Joe Burrow, who can move, but is primarily a pocket passer. The same can be said about a guy like a Geno Smith. Geno Smith is primarily a pocket passer. But treat him more as if he's a Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs will occasionally let Mahomes take off and run. But they don't run a ton of design plays with Mahomes. They do occasionally just to keep the defense guessing, keep them on their toes. But constantly keeping them on their feet, I think this is a good move for the Ravens if they intend on keeping Lamar. I think long-term this works. And and also, bringing a new guy to run a a typical NFL offense, it also preserves Lamar's uh, body. He doesn't get hurt as much as he did the last two seasons. So I think it's the right move for the Ravens. Again, I'm not not of the mindset that, like, because I know there's a lot of Lamar Lamar fans out there. I'm one of them, not as much as some people, but I do think Lamar is is over-criticized. But I'm not in the mindset that Greg Roman doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, you know, if Lamar Jackson won an MVP with a bad coach, then he's, you know, a top three quarterback in the world, which I don't, you know, I don't think he's that. So being honest, objective, and fair about the situation, I think it was the right move by the Ravens. Speaking, by the way, of coordinators getting fired, we just got breaking news a minute ago that the Vikings fired their defensive coordinator, Ed Donatel, which I don't think that's that surprising. Uh, The Vikings were a 
horrendous defense this year. Uh, multiple 40 point games. I mean, Daniel Jones looked like, uh, you know, looked like the second coming of like Phil Sims back in the day in the eighties with, with the legs, obviously Daniel Jones is a much better athlete than Phil Sims was back in the day, but still it's, you know, they're not a good DC. Uh, Patrick Brown, your take on Arizona's hire of a new GM and his comments sub subliminally, subliminally made towards Kyler Murray. I am not aware of his his comments. I know who you're talking about. I've never heard of the guy. I think they hired him from Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken, uh, one of their ex executives. Uh, I, you know what? Let me since you asked that question, Patrick. Let me let me Google it because uh, sure, I, you, you asked the question. I'll give you an answer. Let's see, Arizona Cardinals GM. Kyler Murray. Let's see what he had to say. Okay, this is what it says. Oh, okay. Wow, he did send a message to Kyler Murray, definitely. Uh, he said, quote, Ego will not be tolerated in this organization. We are going to look for focused, driven, uh, and people that are willing to put the team first at every step of the way. If that is not a direct shot at Kyler Murray, I don't know what it is. Um, and you guys know, I, I, I think Kyler's a remarkable talent. I think his leadership intangibles or lack thereof leave much to be desired. He makes Aaron Rodgers look like Tom Brady in leadership uh, when it's all said and done. I mean, Aaron had his moments this year of, uh, of good leadership. Kyler really never has since he came to Arizona. And you heard what Patrick Peterson said on a podcast earlier this year. Obviously, he's with the Vikings now, but great former corner for the Cardinals, was a teammate of Kyler's for a few years. He didn't like him that much. There's been multiple sources in the organization talk about He's you kind of got to walk on eggshells for him every day. He's a lot to deal with. He's a little immature, kind of distant from the team. And then we all know when he signed that massive contract extension this past summer, there was that clause that talked about, you know, spending more that he, he had a regulated time at home that he had to watch film as opposed to playing Call of Duty, which we know he's very active in. There's I got no problem with players playing video games or doing whatever they want in their personal life. It's their personal life. Uh, but, you know, when you are the franchise quarterback making closer to 50 mil than 40 mil, and you're certainly the best Cardinals quarterback, at least since Kurt Warner, they're, they're going to need you to be a little bit more committed and buy into the team concept more. I mean, if you look at the quarterbacks that are left in the playoffs, uh, which I'm going to rank the quarterbacks left in the playoffs at the end of the show, I'm looking up and down the list. They're, they're all tremendous leaders, and they're right. Some are more quiet and subtle leaders. Jalen Hurts. Joe Burrow, and some are more outgoing leaders. Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott. Like, that's – Trevor Lawrence is a more uh, subtle leader. Like, that's – they come in their different shapes and sizes. And if Kyler Murray is is a more reserved person, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want him to be anything other than, than who he is. But I do want him to buy into the leadership aspect more. Because I do think it's hard to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback who isn't the leader of the team, or at least a prominent leader of the team. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think it's fair to say. So, but yeah, the, the good question, uh, Patrick. And that's, that's, a, that's very, very interesting comments uh, from the new Cardinals general manager. 
Uh, Divisional weekend is coming up, and I'm telling you, folks, these games are just outstanding. You got Jags, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, uh, Bengals, Bills, Cowboys, 49ers. Uh, I will predict all those games tomorrow. It's funny, the first two games are for playoff games, pretty lopsided. Yeah, lopsided, I think, is an appropriate way to put it. Pretty lopsided lines. you got Kansas City minus 8.5 against the Jags. You've got Philly minus seven and a half against the Giants. And then Sunday, a little closer. Buffalo, Buffalo, I'll tell you right now, Buffalo minus five and a half feels like a bit much. I to, I can honestly tell you guys, I don't know who I'm picking for that game. I'll have to obviously decide by tomorrow's show in the next 24 hours. But I don't know, five and a half feels like a lot for a Bengals team that did just play in the Super Bowl 11 months ago. And a Bills team that struggled against a Miami team that literally limped into the playoffs. And then you got Cowboys-Niners, where the Niners, that's a surprisingly close line. San Francisco minus four. We know the home team gets three points. So that's that's really interesting, that Cowboys-Niners line. I That's another game that I honestly, I'm leaning San Francisco. I But I, that's that's not a game that's, that's an easy one to predict. By the way, I think I read today Cowboys-Niners, this is their ninth episode. Uh, uh, all-time meeting in the postseason, which I think ties the record. I'm not sure whose record they tied, but really interesting. So let's shift to the NBA for just a second because as I said to start today's show, I haven't talked a whole lot of Lakers this season, and that is completely 100% intentional on my part. I try to spend as little time as possible covering bad teams, which the Lakers are a... the starting lineup is, uh, gosh, how do I put this in the nicest terms possible? It stinks. Outside of LeBron James, it stinks. Um, last night against the Sacramento Kings, they started LeBron. Thomas Bryant, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Troy Brown, and uh, Patrick Beverly. You guys know I'm huge Patrick Beverly fan. Not. But Lakers lost last night. They're now 20-26. and 26. But the good news for L.A. is... As bad as the season has gone, you do get Anthony Davis come back, coming back for how long? Well, his nickname, at least the nickname I've given him, will tell you about how long. AD, always down. It's not for Anthony Davis, it's for always down. But if you look at the standings now, they're a game and a half out of the plan, which is where I, I figured they'd be. I, I predicted the Lakers to make the playoffs the eighth seed and to have to win a couple of playing games. But we'll see what happens for them. They're, they they got a long ways to go. But I want to focus on LeBron. Uh. They literally built this man in a lab. And Jason Momoa is having one heck of a battle against this man. We know that, see the Nike commercials, Jason Momoa playing Father Time. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. The record up until this season for points per game, the top two points per game all time in their 20th NBA season, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Dirk Nowitzki. Okay, so, you know, two, absolutely two of the best scores ever. Kareem, and he can only say this for probably another month, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Obviously, LeBron's going to catch him pretty soon in the next 10 to 12 games. But two of the best ever. They averaged like 15, 16 points a game in year 20. LeBron James is averaging 30. To go along with eight rebounds and seven assists. Again, I want to reiterate, he, they literally built this man in a lab, and it's remarkable that it's what LeBron is doing in 
the years where he's had the least team success, and that's with the Lakers. And listen, I've I've talked on and off of, on the sh- show about how poorly run a franchise the Lakers are. They're, to have two of the four best players of all time, in my view, in LeBron James and Kobe Bryant in the last decade, and to have made the playoffs twice, to have been a serious contender once, and to their credit, they won the NBA Finals that year in the bubble, but... Yeah, I, I I don't. This isn't a Lakers topic. I'm trying to stick away from that. For LeBron, though, what he's doing now to me is what's putting him closer to MJ. Very good chance he's not going to catch MJ in rings. He's 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 already beaten MJ in finals appearances. MJ went to uh, six finals, obviously as we know, went six and zero. Oh, and LeBron's been to ten finals, although he's been four and six. But I've always said in the show, in fairness to LeBron, Michael never had to play the greatest team ever multiple times. But be that as it may, for LeBron to still, for us to still be having the discussion on podcasts like this, radio, TV, or the barbershop, or just talking to to our buddies and whatnot about whether or not LeBron is still a top five player in the NBA, when you've got guys put up the numbers they are, like Steph and Giannis and Luka, which to me are the three top three players in the world, but then you've got guys like Jokic and Bede, Tatum, Let's not forget Kevin Durant doing what he's doing this year. And the oldest guy among those guys, I think, is Steph, and he's 34. About to be 35 in a couple of months. LeBron just turned 38. He's been in the NBA longer in his lifetime than he hasn't been in the NBA. And he is still, most nights, the best player on the floor. That is longevity. It's longevity that might very well be, dare I say, more impressive than Tom Brady. And the reason I say that, Tom plays a more physically punishing sport. Football, obviously. But two things about that. Quarterback next to kicker. Because punters take punishment occasionally. But quarterbacks, (laughs) these days with the rules... And with Tom in particular, you saw some of those plays this year where they called rough of the passer. Heck, they barely sneezed on Tom. Uh, I mean, it, it, did you want him to, to shake his hand or something? Picture yourself wrapped in its softness. Whether you're enjoying a captivating TV show, gathered around a crackling campfire, or cheering for your favorite football team, Minky understands your fall cravings. Our blankets are tailor-made for those heartwarming autumn vibes. With a variety of colors, they're perfect for complementing the hues of fall, as well as showing off your team pride with their vibrant team colors. And the best part? We've got sizes for the whole family, ensuring that everyone can experience the joy of cozying up in Minky's embrace. This fall, let Minky be your companion in creating unforgettable moments. Wrap yourself in comfort, share love, and relish the essence of the season. Minky Blankets, where warmth meets love in every color for every moment. Fall into one of our Minky Couture stores or visit us online at minkycouture.com. The officials, the rules nowadays, protect Tom. I would go so far as to say that in 2023, Tom is more protected in his sport than LeBron is in his. That's not saying LeBron isn't protected. Basketball is basketball. It is still a contact sport. Football is a collision sport, someone told me years ago, and I still believe it to this day. But to be <laughs> still as, as physically dominating the presence he is. Now, 
the one weakness in LeBron's game, the, 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 if, you know, we're praising LeBron this segment, the, the one area where I say he needs to either improve on or stop doing this is shooting threes. Uh, LeBron's shooting 26% from three. That's not great. But to his credit, he's much. he's been better from the free throw line. He's, he's, he's typically been like a mid to lower 70s type of free throw shooter. He's at 78.7%. So if LeBron maybe gets hot, he could get to 80% free throw shooting before it's all said and done. But to you talk about Michael. He retired at 40, I think it was. Obviously, he had some breaks in between. He had the first retirement when he went to go play baseball and the second retirement when he was gone for two, three years and went to you know the Wizards for two uh, not impressive years. Jordan was fine. He was still one of the better players in the league, but he wasn't. He, he wasn't Jumpman from Chicago. LeBron isn't the LeBron he was... Five years ago. To me, 2018 is the best year of his career. Getting that bad Cavs team to the finals is unlike anything I've ever seen from a superstar. But to still be playing the game, the way he's playing it, at the level that he's playing it, at 38 years old, in year 20, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. And even I can say, there was a de- there's been a debate over the last 24 hours started by one of my favorite basketball personalities, Jeff Van Gundy, former coach. And he said that over the last decade that Steph Curry has been, over the last decade, that Steph Curry has been more valuable than LeBron James. Now, you guys know what a Steph Curry fan I am because I'm a massive Warriors fan. Even I thought that was ridiculous. In terms of value, listen, I listen. I love Steph. We're never going to talk about Steph possibly being the greatest player ever. To me, the highest Steph can possibly get. I've got him at seven all time. That's probably higher than most people. I think the highest Steph can possibly get is five. Maybe four. He's never going to be in the GOAT discussion with LeBron and MJ. And probably not even with Kareem. Kareem, Forget about Kareem. Kareem's got six championships and six MVPs. So as many championships as Michael and one more MVP. And the all-time scoring record. So it's, you know, we can have a debate about him and and where he ranks all-time. I've got him third behind Michael and LeBron, but that's another discussion for another show. I don't know of any player in the history of basketball that could have gotten the 2018 caps to the NBA Finals. I don't. The second best player on that team was a beat-up Kevin Love. The third best player on that team was better known for a mistake he made at the end of the finals game, J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith was the third best player on a finals team. That's how dominant LeBron was in those 2018 playoffs. He was great, by the way, two years later with the Lakers. That was a much better team than the the, uh, the, the Cavs were back in 2018. The 2020 Lakers were a, 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 a great team. They blew through the playoffs. And LeBron was great and won another finals MVP. But this is why I've always seen the show, Michael is my goat. But his, pay, his, his cement is dry. There's nothing he can do to add or subtract from what he did in his 15-year career. LeBron, he's still going, and uh, he's not slowing down. We'll see what his future is with the Lakers after this season. They can't trade him because of some some verbiage in his contract, so he cannot be traded this season. But this offseason, if the Lakers don't do anything to at least make themselves respectable, uh, this is probably LeBron's last year in L.A. And if he goes elsewhere, unless he, outside of if he went to Golden State, Dallas, or Milwaukee, he is the best team, best best player we could argue about Kevin Durant, about Jokic, about Embiid. He's likely the best player in any team he goes to, unless he goes to Golden State, Milwaukee, or Dallas. That's how great he still is. It's, it's, I've never seen like this dude. He's a, 
They built him in a lab. That's all I can say. They built him in a lab. Uh, NBA, I haven't talked a ton of NBA the last few weeks, by the way. This is uh, Boston that plays Golden State tonight, by the way. Last time Golden State was in the TD Garden was a, a very good night. I mean, a, a really good night. I didn't sleep that night, to be completely honest with you, when the Warriors won the 2022 NBA championship, in case y'all didn't uh, see back in June. But they'll rematch tonight. You know, I got I got the Warriors tonight. We we, we, we beat, listen, as good as bosses play and as average we played, as we played back in December, they came to the Chase Center and Golden State destroyed them. There's there's, there's just matchups. What do they say? Styles dictate fights. Styles make fights. Golden State matches up better with Boston. Now, with Milwaukee, that's probably a different story, but uh, that's why I think Milwaukee's going to get to the finals this year as long as they're healthy and as long as they have Chris Middleton. But this is going to be a really interesting chase. And, and for this notion, I'm hearing a lot of people writing off the Warriors. When all, you know that SpongeBob meme when that guy says, uh, when are we going to, how many times are we have to teach you this lesson to get old man? You guys have seen that. That's what I, I need to get that bite on my show some point and play that. Cause that's what I feel like anytime the people write off golden state, I'm like, isn't this like the 15th time you've done this and you've been wrong about 12 of the previous 14, just like with all the respect, shut up. Uh, we've got one more segment on the show today. I've been looking forward for this one. Get a drink first. So we obviously got eight teams left in the playoffs, and we often recognize Divisional Weekend as the best weekend of the NFL season because there's four games, but there's the most amount of, biggest amount, I should say, of con contending teams. To me, of the teams that are still left in the postseason, I'm looking at it right now, I could see six of the eight winning the Super Bowl. I don't... I. I'd be stunned if Jacksonville won it, and I'd even be even more stunned if the Giants won the Super Bowl. That would be unlike anything we've ever seen. Everybody else can win the Super Bowl. Uh, the Chiefs can. Eagles can. I've been made a believer. I think the Cowboys can. I definitely think the Niners can. And the Bengals can and the Bills can. So there's eight quarterbacks left, we know, to give yourself a chance to win at this stage in the postseason. You're going to need your quarterback to play well. And so... I put together a list of my, a lot of people have made their list of top eight quarterbacks in the playoffs. So I've made my list. So do we have the music here? Do we got it? Here it is. Here it is. Is that it? He is Daniel Jones. Now, Daniel Jones has been outstanding this year for the Giants, given what was asked of him. Uh, this year having you know career rising completion percentage. Uh, I, I saw a stat the other day, if I can pull it up on my phone, of what he's been doing uh, over the past month or so. Okay, here it is. So since week 13 leading the wildcard game, he's got a 3-2-1 record, seven touchdowns, one pick, 1,300 yards, QBR of 71. He, he's had 335 rush, rush yards and three touchdowns. So he's he's been kind of hot lately. Played well against Minnesota. Now, was that more... Great game plan by Brian Dable, coupled with you know a great job of executing the game plan by Daniel Jones, or was it a crappy Minnesota defense who literally just fired their defense coordinator? We're going to find out against one of the top two or three defenses in the league in the Philadelphia Eagles in just a couple of days on Saturday night in Philadelphia. But in terms of his improvements, uh, he's been outstanding this year. The, the thing, the reason I put him bottom of the list, I think he has probably the lowest ceiling of the quarterbacks left. He's proven to me the least of the quarterbacks left, even less than the guy I'm about to have at number seven. You guys probably under, uh, probably know who that is. But listen, he's still lethal. 
Zarman with his legs, but going against Philadelphia, that's a whole different monster than Minnesota, and that's why I've got Daniel Jones eighth on my list. Number seven, the seventh best quarterback still left in the playoffs. My man, you know him, sturdy Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, the great thing about Brock Purdy is he's set up in the best situation of the eight quarterbacks. He's got an elite running back. He's got elite playmakers uh, on the offensive side of the ball in Debo and Kittle and company. He's got a great offensive line. He's got a great defense. Heck, he's got great special teams. And to top it off, he's got a top five coach in the NFL in Kyle Shanahan. Like, what, what, what could go wrong? He hasn't lost a start this year. I made the argument a couple weeks ago that although he's only played six games this year, I think he, I would vote him as my offensive rookie of the year. I think he's done enough to prove that. But his arm, his accuracy, he seemed the jitters got him early against Seattle. It's understandable. He is a seventh-round rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, famously. But the mobility he brings to the table that Jimmy G could not bring, that we thought Trey Lance would be able to bring, but... You know, kick, poor kid can't stay healthy, so we'll see what his future is with the team moving forward. Uh, but for Brock Purdy, he has brought a new dimension to this 49ers offense that they simply did not have before with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I, I saw a stat the other day that Brock Purdy has as many touchdown passes in the playoffs in his career than Jimmy Garoppolo was. The problem is, Jimmy G's played six playoff games, Brock Purdy's played one. So he's he's... He's made this team that much more dangerous. Everybody's kind of waiting on that big rookie mistake from Brock Purdy. The only reason he's seventh on my list is A, he is a rookie, and B, these are his first playoffs. So there's a lot of things to sort out, but I would absolutely take him over Daniel Jones without a question. Number six, probably the most controversial uh, ranking on my list, my sixth best quarterback in the playoffs is Jalen Hurts. Now, some of that has to do with Jalen's health. We haven't been really let in to how serious that shoulder injury is, at least in terms of the past two weeks. Fortunately for Jalen, for the Eagles, they got a week off last week. They got that first round bye. But if you saw Jalen Hurts in that last game when he came back uh, to, to lock up the NFC East against the Giants' backups, oof, uh, his accuracy was off. He, he had one deep throw to A.J. Brown, but he was kind of under-throwing guys. You know, I, I, The thing that I always criticized Jalen about coming into the season was... His arm, I always say the ball kind of dies in the air. Where it, it does, it's not like an arc, like a Justin Herber or like an Aaron Rodgers, where the ball beautifully comes out of the air into the arms of the receiver. It kind of just comes up and falls, as opposed to, you know, gliding down into the, to the, into the hands of the wide receiver. I saw, and I didn't see that from Jalen this season. It looked like he improved his arm strength. But with the injury to that right throwing shoulder, now you start to have questions. And I want to reiterate again. That was the Giants, basically JV team. That was the backups because the Giants had nothing to play for at that point. Now the Giants obviously have a lot to play for. They had their starters in. They have, they have a solid secondary. They have a good pass rush. So I could see a scenario where Jalen Hurts is more confident in his legs than his arm in this playoff game. And not to mention, as great as Jalen Hurts has been this season, unlike, yes, unlike, he's the only quarterback on this list to have never won a playoff game. Last playoff game, it was a year ago, albeit the Eagles got absolutely mollywhopped by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa last year. So Jalen, again, only guy in this list looking for his first playoff win. That's why he's at number six. Number five, say it loud and say it proud, Rain Dakota Prescott. Yes, he is the fifth best quarterback left in the postseason. A couple of playoff wins in his resume against the Seahawks and now against the Bucks. Uh, he's coming off of easily the best game of his career, given the circumstances, given the pressure that was on Dak. He not only lived up to it, he exceeded it. 
finally used his legs more. I've been calling him Dak to do that more. Uh, he's not as lethal uh, running with the football as he used to be back in his days in college or even his first few years in the NFL before the serious ankle injury. Uh, last year, I felt like he was kind of trying to work his way back into it in that regard. This year, using his legs, you saw him dive for that first down, that highlight tape I showed for you guys on that third down in the first half. Uh, underrated arm. I've always said that about Dak. He's got, he's not, doesn't have the arm of a Mahomes or an Allen, but Duke can sling it. Okay, like, you know, careful. Don't, don't test him in terms of, uh, you know, trying some shots down the field, which I wish at times, they didn't have to Monday, but at times Kellen Moore would, would utilize more. Uh, he's playing his best ball of the year. He had a turnover-free game, uh, and they're going to need Dak to, to, to have probably another all-time great performance, considering the fact that they're playing a Niners team that is stacked at just about every position and great at head coach. So Dak Prescott is fifth on my list. Number four quarterback left in the playoffs is Trevor Lawrence. So Trevor was obviously the number one pick back in 2021, had a brutal rookie year. A lot of the fact that he did have Urban Meyer as a head coach, and he didn't even last an entire season. Bringing Doug Peterson in, uh, you know, working him into a system, Trevor, and what impressed me so much about Trevor Lawrence against the Chargers, he could not have played worse in the first half against the Chargers. Four picks, scored a total of seven points, and is down 20 at the half. Comes back and wins the game with four consecutive touchdown drives, and then a field goal drive to win it. So the job that he did, I'm sorry, three consecutive touchdown drives and then a field goal drive to win it at the end. Uh, you talk about his arm, his accuracy, his mobility. He's not a guy that is like a Lamar or a Kyler that is just going to take off running and beat linebackers, but he is mobile enough. We saw that. I always point back to that game against Ohio State back in college when he ran for that 60-yard touchdown. So Trevor's more athletic than people give him credit for. Big, strong athletes. Uh, and I think he's a top-five quarterback in the league today, not just in the playoffs, but in the league. I just wonder that, you know, Gets that pass rush against Kansas City. I wonder if it's going to be too much for the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence is at number four. Number three, sorry, I got to tell the truth. It's, it's Josh Allen. You know, a year ago, it, it would have been jo Josh Allen at number two. But the turnovers are a problem. The reckless throws on passes down the field, being loosey-goosey with the football. He's got 30 fumbles and interceptions this year. Second and third place are Matt Ryan, who's old and a statue, and number three, Justin Fields, who poor kid was running for his life this season in Chicago. He's got to clean it up. Now, at his peak, he can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any quarterback that's ever played the game. I truly believe that. With his, with his arm, his accuracy, his mobility, and his leadership. But to beat Cincinnati, who has, I keep saying, just keep telling y'all, has an underrated defense, he's going to have to be special. Is he capable of that? Of course he is. At home. But given how he's played in the last couple of months, going back to around Thanksgiving, it's been a little shaky. So that's why I've got Josh out number three. Number two, the new Joe Cool, Joe Burrow. So for Joe Burrow, he played a rough game against this Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you know, we, we understand he struggled against a defense of Baltimore that is just, you know, rebounded big time the second half of the season. But kid is four. Well, he's not really a kid. He's like 25 now. It's crazy. But he's four and one in his playoff career. Like When the light's the brightest, Joe Burrow plays his best. So uh, I, I didn't look at his struggles against Baltimore as a Joe Burrow didn't play well type of situation. I looked at it for two reasons. A, his offensive line is literally falling apart. And B, Baltimore has a really good defense. Led by one of the better linebackers uh, in the NFL. 
and Roquan Smith. By the way, Patrick Queen had a good season once Ro- Roquan Smith, uh, you know, came came into town out of Chicago. But for Joe Burrow, listen, when he's at his peak, again, sort of like Josh Allen, he doesn't have quite the upside Allen does. But he's certainly playing better in the last couple of months, and you, you want to go into the postseason hot and in these big playoff games hot. And Joe Burrow has done just that. Number one, I don't think this is even a, I don't even think it's a discussion. It's Patrick Mahomes. Okay, it's, it's Patrick Mahomes' world. We are all just living in it. Multiple playoff wins. He's been to not one, not two, not three, four AFC title games. Patrick Mahomes does not know the NFL playoffs without the AFC title game. So getting to play Jacksonville, it feels like a one-way ticket for the Chiefs to get back for a fifth year. I mean, he's he's a video. He's everything you could possibly want in a quarterback he has. Arm, accuracy, mobility, leadership. I've, I've all, I said back when they came back earlier this year and beat the Las Vegas Raiders when they were down 17-0. And it wasn't just because of that game, but games of the past. I said... With respect to the greatest ever, Tom Brady, there is no quarterback in the history of the NFL that would I would rather have trailing by double digits with than Patrick Mahomes. I've never seen a guy trail by so much and then almost in a blink. Oh, this is a game now. Or uh, Kansas City's in front. How did this happen? Playmaking ability, what he's done with the least amount of offensive talent he's ever had. Now, having Travis Kelsey... As his tight end, having Andy Reid as his offensive play caller and head coach obviously helps matters. But Juju Smith-Schuster missing missing Miko Harbin for the last couple of months. Justin Watson. I mean, it's it's been Marquez Valdez Scantling hasn't been what we thought he'd be coming from Green Bay. Like it's been kind of a rotate uh, a, a, a carousel of weapons for Patrick Mahomes uh, and what he's done this year. He's going to win the league MVP. Uh, I don't even think there's a debate about who the best quarterback in the league is and, and is going to be uh, for the next uh, for the next decade. It's Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the 2022 NFL postseason. So go back through the list, eight through, or from the bottom to the top, we got Daniel Jones, Sturdy Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, Rain Dakota Prescott, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and of course, Patrick Mahomes. Before we get out of here, there is I want to make one more point. One more point real quick. About that Cowboys game. Because I do think it's worth mentioning. Because I spent this segment talking about Dak, and rightfully so. He was unbelievable. But let's give some props to Mike McCarthy. Because I've been a guy who's been very critical of him. Initially, if you go back to shows back when I did in early 2020 when he was first hired, uh, I was a a big Mike McCarthy guy. I was like, hey, he's had a lot of success in Green Bay. He won a Super Bowl. He went to multiple NFC Championship games. I'm like, he's absolutely an upgrade over over Jason Garrett. Of course, he comes in that first year. Dak goes down the first five games. Cowboys only win six games total. You kind of just write that off. You're like, okay, he's missing. He missed his quarterback. Not to mention the defense was historically bad. So you obviously made a change to defensive coordinator, putting Dan Quinn in, who, by the way, did a great job or has done a great job, and I'd be shocked if, if he isn't a head coach uh, during this hiring cycle. But he comes in 2021. Dak's back, plays 16 of the 17 games. You win the, the division, gets the playoffs. 14 penalties, looked completely unprepared, looked completely out-schemed and outmatched against San Francisco, and not spending multiple times that season. The clock management was worse than a 12-year-old playing Madden. It was awful for Mike McCarthy. And so I was of the mindset like, hey, if 
if he doesn't show up this year, we we may need to start considering uh, if you're Jerry Jones making a move. Loses his quarterback in week one. And this, to me, is what secured Mike the job long-term in Dallas. He loses Dak in week one. Doesn't have him for the next five weeks. And goes four and one with Cooper Rush. Gets Dak back. By the way, Cowboys were a heavily penalized team. In fairness, how many penalties they have against Tampa Bay? Let me, I'm, I, no, I think I got the number ahead. Let me make sure. Yeah. After having 14 penalties against the Niners last year in the playoffs, they had two penalties against Tampa Bay. They were ready. They were prepared. They executed. I mean, I, I don't listen. And by the way, Mike's the first coach of the Cowboys in 25 years. So basically the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl to have back-to-back 12-win seasons. And the second of which, he didn't have his quarterback for five of those games. Like, let's let's give Coach McCarthy credit where it's due. Like, he, any, any discussion, even if the Cowboys get humiliated by the Niners, which is completely in play, the Niners are the better team. He's absolutely the guy moving forward. He, he's already accomplished more than Jason Garrett ever did. So, hats off to Mike McCarthy. I've been saying this year, I thought he got more... Uh, disdain and more uh, criticism than he deserved, given the circumstances, given the roster wasn't as good this year, given he was missing his quarterback for five of those games. Uh, hats off to uh, to Mike McCarthy. He, he deserves every bit of the credit he's gotten in the last uh, the last 72 hours. Uh, but he's, he's going to need a good game plan for Sunday to beat a loaded 49ers team. And uh, <laughs> I wish I had the tape of that dance he did in the locker with the chain around his neck. That was that was so freaking awesome. That, that actually made me uh, excited for the game against the 49ers. Hats off to Mike McCarthy. I think there's a team currently located in Wisconsin. Sure, use all Mike. I'm just going to leave it at that. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Uh, subscribe to Carving It Up. Also, be sure to subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network on YouTube. We're really building this thing now. And also be sure that is where you can listen to my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts, as well as the other content creators of The Grid. You saw Patrick Brown in the chat. His show, The Chaotic Sports Podcast, is on The Grid. Barry Grant Jr., The All Even Podcast. Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. The Cowboys Can Fan Podcast. Uh, Alfred Parsar Jr. with the Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast. We've got amazing, amazing content on The Grid. Please go check that stuff out uh, wherever you get your podcasts and right here on YouTube. Uh, Some amazing stuff for y'all to check out. Divisional weekend is almost upon us. I'm going to predict the divisional games tomorrow, get into whatever sports stories are also going on at that time. We may or may not get a guest on. We'll see, but it'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be an interesting show. I'm looking forward to it. So have a great evening, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please take care of your physical and your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. Rain Dakota Prescott. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.